0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Go to our website, mccurdyscomedy.com to keep up to date with us. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, please, if you want to get in contact with me or the people that run this podcast or some of the guests, please email us at podcast at mccurdyscomedy.com.
1: The conversation. <laughs> we're ready and we'll go. Oh, yeah, just go. Yeah, we're ready. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm Les McCurdy. McCurdy's Comedy Theater and Humor Institute, Sarasota-Bradenton, Florida, and the outlying provinces, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And here we are doing our podcast, The Conversation. Now, what is normal? What would be normal, which we all know right now, there is no normal. There is some normal, but that ain't normal as it used to be. Uh, How this would be going is that uh, me and my guests would all be uh, performing tonight, probably, or maybe with a performer. We'd all be sitting in the green room uh, while the show was going on or a little before and after, and we'd just be chatting. And you would have... The ability to get in to be a fly on the wall to get in on the conversation of what the comics are talking about uh, when they're just hanging out, and uh, so that's what this is. But we are in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should lighten that word up a little bit. <laughs> you know, terrible. I think at some point we need to do something. I don't know what it is, but it just is too heavy. It's too heavy. <laughs> and so this was like that's a Trumpism. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, uh, um, we're here and we're we're chatting tonight. And, uh, and I'd like to go around the room, and what I want you to do is just introduce yourself so they know your voice and everything, and this is the first time I've done this, but just a little brief bio, like uh, who are you, where are you from, you know, I, most, most people aren't from here, How hey, you got here, how hey, you got into comedy, what do you do for a living, you know, just a few things, Okay. and, uh, and then we'll roll on. So first, yes?
2: Is Ginger Kelly. Hi, hey, Ginger. Uh, so I'm uh, originally from New Jersey, uh, moved down to Sarasota in uh, 2012. It's so unusual. Uh, and, you know, I was a, a single parent raising the kids. And now that everybody was grown, I found myself looking for uh, an opportunity to do things that I wanted to do. Uh, and I decided it was time to pursue comedy
3: because nice. it was
2: something that I'd always wanted to do. Uh, so I've been doing it actually uh, just over a year. Uh, the very first open mic I ever did was actually in the green room, mm-hmm. uh, and it was before I took your class, which I eventually ended up doing. Right. Uh, but uh, I was hooked immediately uh, the first time that I did it. So nice. um,
0: I think I remember your first time. Now that I think about it,
2: yeah, you know, it was. Uh, since we can talk about anything, this is like, <laughs> sure. now, now that I'm a year in and I can look back at it and see things that I don't like about the first one. I did uh, an entire five-minute set on vibrators. I do uh, remember I, that. That's a, <laughs> yeah. I look, that was a good instinct. In the first time. <laughs> it was pretty it much was, a no, for, Brian. Yeah, a you got exactly. laughs, right? I definitely got laughs. Yes. I, I got a lot more than that too, because they saw a female up on stage and assumed if I was talking about vibrators, I. Obviously, was looking for some male companion <laughs> as well. well, so that worked uh, out too. Uh, no, no, most of that I, you've seen what's in Sarasota. I've, I well, we get, some of, we that get some of
1: the young bucks in here for the for the open mic. You yeah. get some of the ringling students. But uh,
2: so I mean, and that's uh, so I've been you know busy this last year. I've done right. some um, I've done some promoting. Uh, I've been performing uh, regularly, and uh, I'm just yeah. continuing to move forward that's with cool. it. So
4: and then we have vien pomachan i am the undisputed number one ranked laotian ear nose and throat doctor comedian in southwest florida i will
1: attest to that i did some and, research and you are right on the moon. Any, anybody, came
4: close. anybody want to challenge me for that title anywhere anytime
0: yeah.
1: i think you could expand it out to florida i i dare I say
4: in the
0: southeast
1: okay all right let's go big uh, or go home it'll
0: take like eight years of schooling just to challenge <laughs> you on that i feel like it's kind of an advantage you may have inspired some young
4: folks <laughs> so, so i i'm laotian uh as my title implies <laughs> i
1: now you know something and i'm gonna say it, it's uh where exactly is laos No, I'm not gonna say this before do you know where Laos is? No, Laos? I,
2: I'm glad you're asking this question. I know, I'm like, but w-
1: I'm going to say, because we're all going to guess before he tells us, Uh-oh. all right? So Uh-oh. where do you think it
0: is?
2: I want to say somewhere in the Vietnam area. Somewhere
1: in the Vietnam area?
0: Okay. Yeah, I was going to Antarctica,
2: maybe? <laughs> no. No? fuck. All right. But I was
4: going to say Southeast Asia. Southeast. Southeast Asia is generally right. It's right next door to Vietnam. So ginger wins. We have
1: a for you. Yeah. <laughs> Mike
4: has Some Lysol, to, if you want Mike has to go on a truck on a mysterious journey somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that might not return for that answer. Absolutely. Doing the for the human race. Wow. Oh, come on. There's got to be somebody down there. Continue <laughs> yeah. with your you, show. You weren't just wrong. You made us all dumb. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I. I. Um, I've lived in Florida pretty much my whole life. You know, I'm a Twinkie. I'm not really Laotian. I'm just sort of colored that way. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like an American inside. You peel off the Have top Have you been layer. over there? I was born there. Oh. I came here when I was like three. But not, not since? No, not really. Okay. No, no. Uh, and uh, so I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and I started doing comedy because... When you're a doctor, it's a lot like watching a kid play on one side of a seesaw by himself. You know, you're, you're kind of unbalanced. It's really kind of no fun. It's real stress and,
5: yeah, you know, it's a
4: good job, but, but I think you need to balance that out. People who are uh, one dimensional like that are generally not fun to be around. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I wanted to, to, to balance the seesaw a little bit. So I started doing comedy and I was always a huge fan and i ended up doing just a lot better than i thought i would and just have never quit so so well both
1: of y'all i think you know uh and i know yours in particular but you know you came in you got up there the first time and uh and it was a fun experience It, it wasn't it was less stressful than you thought it would be once you got into the flow of it and then it started getting fun you know and uh and it does it 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 hooks all of us immediately as far as that goes but i was going to say on the doctor stress balance thing when i was in college uh i got a job i had a part-time job working at the memphis country club as a bartender you know so it's that crowd you know (laughs) so it's just just a total it's just that slice of society you know (laughs) so um so every once in a while they had this doctor's group and it was all Doctor, just all doctors, all medical doctors, but uh-huh. all doctors of all kinds. And they had a group, and they would come in and have some kind of meeting or whatever. Well, I figured out after about the third time I did it, fuck the meeting. I mean, the, the, the meeting was a reason they could schedule a time when everybody in their fucking network knew... <laughs> Bob Vien is going to be hammered, drunk in an hour. <laughs> okay, what they he, told their spouses—he's going to be hammered. As, he is not on call. He <laughs> cannot. He cannot go into surgery. No, i, I what, why? Because he's in the he's in the uh, the medical group's meeting that they have yeah. once every three months.
4: We, we used to call that journal club. Good. <laughs> the cool when, when we're supposed to be catching up on new research you uh-huh. know we're reading articles and gotcha, getting better gotcha. that's what we would tell our spouses and that's what we were really doing right i just hope she's not listening right hey, <laughs> no
1: nah, she don't give a shit about this
4: but you know, <laughs> uh, this is true this is true i uh, in the time
1: i bartended uh, uh, like hardcore being bartender in memphis i worked every kind of bar there was you know real high energy young hookup places you know, dive bar, fucking, you know, anything could happen, bullshit, real high end, the whole nine yards. Those doctors, without a shadow of a doubt, drank harder and faster than anybody, but they drank crazy shit. Like in a biker bar, I'd just come up and just go, just give me a mug of bourbon, you know, and three beers or whatever. A doctor would come in and go, Give me a quadruple margarita.
4: <laughs> a, quadruple. There, a quadruple margarita. There's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of you pain to know. Give me
1: as much liquor as will fit in the glass, in a and make it kind of, sort of look like a margarita. <laughs> right. And, right. and I, I'm gonna drink two of those really quick because i've got and surgery then, in the morning <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be in some semblance of balance as it you steadies say. my hand my hands are all
4: shaky normally so i can explain this we're not normal people no you're not like normal I people agree. have weekends and evenings yeah. like you guys get to have barbecues and live like humane existences yeah. mm-hmm. doctors like we get no free time so like you're when we have working. a minute, we got to condense all the normal people drinking over like a month <laughs> into like a day. We got to be efficient. It's the
1: same amount. Yeah. It's yeah. the same amount. Just, just yeah. everything's Condensed. concentrated yeah. and focused.
4: I'm just because su-
1: that's what you guys are. Yeah. you're focused. You're yeah. laser-ass focused.
4: We're dark matter. We're heavy. <laughs> yes. I'm surprised it's not actually just heroin all the time. No, I, I, I would <laughs> go. Along seriously, with
1: you because if anybody knew what that was going to do. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's you. Right. You know, because go ahead.
2: Well, here's what I was asking him before the show, because I know that he's ear, nose and throat. And I said, this is a really bad time to be the ear, nose and throat doctor around all of those juices. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, how do you avoid that?
4: He doesn't.
1: He
2: dives Clearly. right in there and <laughs> he drinks that. He's
4: infected. He's, well, it's it's like asking a pig not to roll in mud. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know.
1: I just realized that during the pandemic, I've asked an eye, nose, and throat doctor to come into the showroom with us. <laughs> I am so sorry.
2: Thanks yeah. for that. I got my Lysol can <laughs> now. One, one of these
4: people is not making it out of this interview. <laughs> one of us is going down tonight. One yep. out of
1: four. Absolutely. You know, what What was your uh, – did you did, – I mean, you raise kids, and that's a a career. Right. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Did you have another uh, career that you— Oh, yeah. I
2: I sell cars. uh, Oh, cool. So you're talking about, like, not having any, like, free time. We're working all the time, too. I have no weekends. uh, Yeah. And uh, nights are failure. But even in the middle of this pandemic, people are still coming in and purchasing vehicles. Uh, Like, when it initially came out, uh, everything kind of slowed down. But then once the initial shock of it got over— and people were sitting at home, and the car dealerships were considered uh, essential businesses. Oh, right. We all of a sudden became a, a destination place to go. To oh get right, out get of the out house. of the damn house! Yeah, yeah. what do yeah. you want to do, honey? Yeah. Look at cars? Yeah, exactly. I did not thought about that.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Exactly. You, go, like you what? see, is a couple going, all right, get out the list. <laughs> <laughs> we we checked off. 12 yeah. car dealerships in the of, area. They, they're That's crazy. They're looking crazy. for, for so armor cars. <laughs> that is With, so fun. No, but really, we've been <laughs> really been Me and my wife might side. start doing that, Vin. It's just an idea. You can take the whole family.
2: That's it. You can. You definitely can. <laughs> just go
0: shopping for cars.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? You have to buy shit. Let's go take a convertible no. Mustang for a ride. You're in the car with the same four people you've been quarantined with. That's right. Yeah, it's true. Exactly, exactly right. It's a, good,
4: it's a good thing to tell your family. It's like, I don't want to share the same germs with you in the same car. Mm-hmm. I got to go get that Lamborghini. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need <laughs> That's clean. Yeah. something clean. <laughs> yeah it's for your protection absolutely it is for Maserati for your protection yeah, <laughs> protection I
1: love it I love it hey I tell you this the first car I love one of my favorite stories. first car I ever bought I uh I was I started with a comedy team and it was me who and your other teacher Ken Sons we started as a comedy team and when we started out and we were at we'd been Ken had been out of college for two or three years he had a he, he had a career for god's sakes so he's driving a nice Volvo, <laughs> da 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 da. So, uh, and then I got out with a theater degree, so I had nothing. I had the truck. <laughs> and uh, you know, and so anyway, when we started touring, we were touring in his his uh, brand new Volvo, you know, touring yep. around, opening axe. And, and we <laughs> still had, and we had a place that we rented out on uh, uh, Siesta Key, out on the bay, that we just we hooked up with the, this friends of ours, grandparents that knew about this house, and they gave it to us for three hundred and fifty dollars a month on the water you know, wow. so we're opening that acts that we're, sound making too bad. No uh, we're making no money We're making no money we're an opening act team so we're splitting <laughs> no money all uh, right we're splitting no money and and we're you know we're not young guys, but we're still not i mean we're not old guys, but we're old for that first you know because we were in our late twenties and uh and we'd pull up in that Volvo and and comics would come back to us. The house they were going, we go, go ahead and bring bring out them drugs that you're uh. selling, because this is not comedy. Fucking yeah. But anyway, I got sidetracked, but that's what the conversation is all about. Um. But anyway, the, when I got into comedy, Ken had that Volvo, and then we split up as a team. Uh, the The reason we split up as a team was to double our money. That was our. We just sat down, and went, they're never going to pay us twice as much money. We cannot make it on half the money they pay an act. You know, yeah. we a comedy team ain't gonna work. You know, unless, unless we get famous. If one of us gets famous, then we can go back to this concept. You know, so I have a car, I have a car at all. So I started touring via Greyhound, motherfucking bus, <laughs> baby, <laughs> Greyhound. Wow. Yes, and this is this wow. is in the '80s and early '80s on Greyhound. And so, Ken, I was based, I was living out of my dad's basement in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so Ken took me down to, he had opened up, he was opening up a comedy club there that's still there. And so Ken took me down to the bus station one day. He goes, man, he goes, I, I don't even feel right about putting you on the
5: fucking bus, man.
1: It just ain't right. I said, I'm cool on the bus, man. I know how to handle fucking bus. I said, I get a first class ticket. He goes, they sell first class tickets on buses. I go, you buy two seats and nobody can sit beside you. I said, but then after a while, I learned the trick don't bathe for three days and look <laughs> yeah, like a mass fucking murderer <laughs> but see, then, then were, but the trouble with that one is if someone does zip
2: <laughs> it's like
0: they're just as crazy as you no 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 no. you
2: were thinking about social distancing before it was even on our radar <laughs> yes yeah. yes
1: you knew yeah. you knew you knew so anyway he was like how much money you spend on bus tickets a month I said about 150 bucks he goes you can buy a fucking car for that <laughs> Can't, buy a car okay so when you get back in town we're gonna get your fucking car <laughs> so, oh, well, okay so went so a friend of mine, one of my close friend's wives had started selling cars mm-hmm. and had been doing it for two or three years pretty successfully and um so I, I called up Renee and I said hey man I'm going to buy my first car really how what suggestions do you give me she goes Come on over to the house, I'm gonna take you to school. Here's exactly what you do. And now a lot of this you don't have to do because now we have Carfax and Right. It kind of does it for you. But she goes, she goes, first of all, how much money can you spend? What's your bottom line? Boom. Bottom line. Not how much can you spend a month? <laughs> how much do you want to spend on a car? Bob, well, we'll figure all that out. But that is the monthly thing too. And she goes, okay. Then she goes, I want you to go to every car dealership in town. Every every one. And what is the car that you can afford new, new, brand spanking new on that lot? What's the new one you can afford? He goes, she goes, because you're going to walk out with a new car with $150 a month, $150 a month, <laughs> you know, on a four-year note. And uh, she goes, you go to everyone with a clipboard. You write down notes, and then you take their business card, and you stick it in the top of the clipboard. She goes, when you get about that 10th dealership, with all those cards stacked up, your little notepads and everything else, they go. The first thing a salesperson and tell you this is right is, is: do not let you leave. No,
2: absolutely. Do, do do not, let not You leave. do uh. not do. Listen, I can't find Bring your out Bring out
1: strippers. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Do not let them walk <laughs> off the lot.
2: Absolutely not.
1: That's right. Keep throwing candy at them. Yeah. And so she goes. She goes. You. You always walk always walk but walk slow walk <laughs> slow and take your time ask all your questions Goes because the closer you get to your car door and inside of it because that price will just that negotiation will keep moving in your direction and because you know she knows what her profit is she knows she can go down this far and make mm-hmm. what she yeah. would like to make and she went up here and uh and then you know and then leave no matter what the fuck leave and then pick out your calling, best we're deal we're calling
2: you the next day <laughs> <And> <laughs> we are she calling goes, you she goes
1: you'll get the best deal that way and the, the and she goes and then you know always take your time so the, where that came back in the greatest way was me and my wife just had our daughter we're going to get the family minivan which we both swore we would never drive <laughs> And so we, we go, and we find a van, and it's, a, it's two or three years old, uh, Honda, uh, and beautiful. Cut the deal. We're ready to sign the papers, ready to sit down. And uh, the guy goes, you need to water or anything? I said, no, nah, I just need a minute. I said, that's just any time I sign something that has a pretty substantial dollar figure on it, I like to walk away for a second and just, I don't know, <laughs> take a breathe. breath. And then I'll come back. And so me and Pam walk out. And the Toyota dealership's right next door. And we're just standing out in the parking lot. And one salesman comes up and recognized me from the club. Hey, Les, what's up?
5: Uh.
1: I said, I'm getting ready to buy a Honda right there. He goes, how much are you gonna charge you for it? I said, this much? He goes, come here. <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I got a Toyota van in here. Same year, less miles, and upgraded package, the leather and all the shit. I give it to you for $3,000 cheaper. I said, okay. Walk back over to that guy and I go, he told me he knew do that. I already cut the deal with you, so I'll do it with you. Meet his price. He goes, right. I can't meet that price. So I drove a Toyota. <laughs> there you go. That's how. That's I would have stood how,
4: between him it and works. made him do the auction. Thing, be like, <laughs> that's that's do I hear? Gonna, I gonna, do gonna, I, gonna, hear, do gonna, I hear? Do gonna, I hear? Do I hear?
2: So, but that. So that was your first car purchase ever.
4: The the no
1: the not the not the van. The first car purchase I ended up getting a Colt. A Dodge, a Dodge Colt, Colt wow. for 150 dollars a month. They on were a tiny. Year, tiny, tiny, fan? tiny. Oh, really? I, I, I just and I'd been touring at this point for probably three years, something like that, and living out in my dad's basement. I got that Colt. I put 25,000 miles on it in four months.
2: Jeez,
1: <laughs> huh, I was every fuck away. Uh,
2: that little four-cylinder engine uh, was done. Oh, it, what?
1: Well, you know what? I drove the living shit out of that car and it was a fun car to drive. It, it was peppy, up to 70, that's about, you know, then labor, you know, <laughs> get up 80, 90 miles an hour. So it was perfect. You couldn't you couldn't uh, kind of fuck yourself up like you would right. in a faster car. But boy where I had to do mountain ranges, oh good god. You know, <laughs> that thing wasn't made for that.
2: But uh, it was a good that's reliable not bad, car. That's for not me. bad for a first car, though.
1: You know what? I, and the seat laid all the way down. The front seat laid flat down to the touring. back. Perfect for a touring comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so you lived in it. Fuck yeah, we, we were. We were all touring comedians are homeless for. A
2: while. My very first car, I paid two hundred dollars for it. It was a Chevy Vega station wagon, oh. white with paneling on the side oh, yeah. and a luggage rack on the top. And it burned more oil and leaked more oil than I had to put in gas. So every week when I'd get paid, mm-hmm. I'd go to like Kmart and buy a case of that cheap oil. Yes. Uh, and I'd keep it in the back, and then I'd drive, and the oil light would come on, and I'd pull over, and I'd put two more quarts in, and I was good to go. So I did that for about a year. And one day, all of a sudden, the light start, stopped coming on, the oil light. Right. Yeah. And I'm still young and dumb and stupid enough thinking, well, I guess that problem's fixed itself <laughs> <You know? laughs> until I seize the engine on it. Oh. But, but listen, but I got over a year out of a $200 car.
1: There you go. There you go. Wow. You, got, you, got a, you got a good car story, beater story
4: or otherwise? Uh, I, my first car was a 1985 Chevy Blazer. What year was that in? No, well, I started driving, I have to do the math. Yeah, you're a doctor, you can
0: it <laughs> You know what? It's such
4: a vivid memory. I have to like backtrack. It was probably in the 90s. Yeah. So um, this
1: car was 7-8 years old. Yeah,
4: it was it was Got serviceable. It. I don't have any I don't have any like tragedy stories. I didn't have to live in it, but it was one of those you were never a comedian. <laughs> well, I What's funny is, you know, we lived in a tiny house. Like, we we lived in a, uh, uh, you know, our house was like 1,200 square feet. My sister, my parents, and we frequently had distant relatives that would stay. Like, my grandparents would stay. It's kind of a stereotypical Asian household, like immigrant household. So I never wanted to be home. So I bet you I put as many miles on my car as you did. Like, I would always be be excuses to get to the store, go to a movie, visit friends. And I think by the end of it, Probably had 300,000 miles on it by the time I was, I was nice. done, which is a lot for that, that you know, Sure it is. That, yeah. you know, people think that's a lot for any American car. You yeah. Know. Well, yeah. eventually the radiator just fell out of it at the end of it. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Yeah. It, well, I've had that. Well, you know, my Colt, I drove that thing. I, th- I, I think when I, 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 well, this is typical with Pam and I and how we do cars. By the time we, when we get a car, we're married to it. We don't trade. We don't trade cars. So we get attached to them. They get named everything. <laughs> you know, they really—it's ridiculous. And uh, by the time we're done with a car, it's not worth selling. <laughs> it still runs, but we don't even feel good about. it. We're like, <laughs> at this point, who do we know
4: that needs? A $200,
2: a $200 car. $200 you know what I mean? We'll and just, go, give just give it
4: to them. Give them the fucking car. <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus. Until recently, every car that I've ever driven has died, has, has lived and died a, a full life. <laughs> yes. You know, I've, I've gotten to a place in my life where I could sell a car and buy a new one. Yeah. But before that, it was like a part of the family until you buried it. And you yeah. know, there's just, and I don't know,
1: there's, out of all my friends, there's just some of those people that are car people. And oh, it's yeah. not a gender thing either, male right. or female. They're car people and they've always, as long as I've known them, they've always had a nice car. And I don't think they ever keep a car more than two or three years, four max you know four would be I've kept I've really you know I don't know they' loved it or whatever. <laughs> but and I've just never been a I mean as a kid growing up and it sounds it sounds like y'all are the same as me. We didn't have the money. I I mean, I didn't have the money to be a car guy. And and I wasn't going to kind of, I I think about when I was in high school, even junior high, high school, I was into sports. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of school every day and go directly to a job that I worked five hours and, you know, eight on the weekends you know, like so all the time just to go, I can have a nice car to drive.
2: You know, I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's how you end up with a $200 car. That's right. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> correct. <I, laughs>
4: I've gotten to be like that now because I'm having a midlife crisis. Oh, you yeah? know, I started doing comedy <laughs> You have a motorcycle you yet or? i started doing heroin. <laughs> yeah.
1: We get, Now we get, we're rolling back to heroin again. We I keep t-
2: going back to heroin. I Why know. is that? Pretty relaxed. Uh, well, it's,
4: it's a cry for help.
1: It is <laughs> the doc. The doc keeps bringing us back. If anyone to, from the, the board horse, of medicines listening, with no name. I'm, the I'm, horse with no name. Yeah. I've been through the horse with no name. I'm not using heroin. For the record,
4: <laughs> it was a joke.
1: Well, here's maybe. A, here's. A, has anybody here ever
4: done heroin?
0: No. Okay. No. Uh, never All had the interest. Right what? Never had the interest okay, to do. Let's
4: let's pretend that we have because I wanted to hear the story that follows that.
2: Well, i have I to say, but just from a generational standpoint, yeah. I, I, heroin wasn't a drug of choice when I was coming up. How, you know, the, how it old just, are you? If the, if I'm 53.
1: Okay, so, so I'm 10 years older than you, and so in the 70s, heroin was okay very much a thing. You know, 60s and when when the when the countercultural revolution started, which started with the, right with the civil rights movement, that all and Vietnam War, anti-war, that all was like one big thing, and the drugs came along with it, and uh, cocaine was not anywhere in the picture. Uh, cocaine didn't even come into the picture till late 70s. Uh, it was marijuana and 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 psychedelics. That that was your two. You know, main things that were out there, and then what people had to tend, what they started getting into about the time I turned eighteen and got away from home and started just I moved to Memphis, started working the bars, was uh, um, basically uh, 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 opioids. You know, it, back then it was Quaaludes, right. and there were there were several other derivatives of that in the same family. Uh, but they're all painkillers, and they're all opioids, you know. Yeah, and that's what people were doing, much like they are today with, with the oxycodone and, and all that stuff. And, um, and so heroin, uh, and what's getting them into it now these days is heroin's a cheap form of that. Right, right. Back then, heroin, heroin hit the streets. Uh, you know, I think it, to me it was one of the first drugs you ever heard of. That was bad.
2: right because you thought Jimi Hendrix. Anytime somebody said heroin, I thought Jimi Hendrix you
1: you pot pot. more than a little bit of 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 Oh, Man. good God. You know, once you're in that, you know, you're lucky to get out. It's
0: like nobody can handle heroin. Like, no, no.
1: He, well, I met. there's one guy and his picture's on our wall in there, Ron Shock. Okay. Ron Shock's the only guy I ever knew that could do heroin recreationally. <laughs> and he pulled it off until he, well, he died at 70, but he he had done it up till he was wow. 60-something. That's pretty good, though. But just every now and then, just every now and again, you know, he did give a, you know, he's got and I was he we talked about that he he, he had that he did that with everything but um uh, I remember asking him but way back in the 70s I met this there was a girl that worked at the same bar I worked at and um, she uh, we I said hey you want to go out have drinks with us da, 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 da. and uh, she was like oh Les I don't drink anymore I'm I'm all clean she goes I was a heroin addict for a while she goes I don't do anything
4: and I said,
1: "Oh, I was like, wow!" I, I said, "You're you're my first heroin addict no. I've ever met. Huh. You know, I never met a heroin addict before." And so I said, "You so I said, you know, you're needling the damage done, right?" She oh. goes, "Oh yeah." And um, I said, "What's the deal? What's what is it?" I said, "You know, you know what we do, what I've done, you know, around here, this kind of stuff, iron and and pot and all that stuff." what is it uh, the heroin and she goes she goes you know what Les? could you explain to somebody that had never smoked pot that had only gotten drunk what the difference is could you can you really get them to understand what the difference is without actually doing it you really it's hard it's very very hard to you know even from a doctor's point of view that knows chemically what goes on but how that actually is going to react and feel on you she goes here's what i want to tell you about heroin it's the best fucking shit you've ever done in your life. She goes, you want to know why people get hooked on it really fast? You've never done anything so fucking good. Yeah. You know, and that's what she told me. She goes, that's why. It's, she goes, it's the best. It's the best high.
2: It's like the orgasm if, of drugs. That's right.
1: If you like to catch a buzz, it's, it, yeah. it is the, it is the Mac Daddy. It is the Rolls Royce. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, and and so, and as I say this, you know, people could be listening to this going, Les McCurdy is promoting <laughs> doing heroin. He's saying you should do heroin. I'm just saying, I don't know. I've never done heroin. Right. But I, it, even when she told me that, I go, yeah, okay, sure, sure. Right.
4: I'm going to be blamed for this, aren't I? What's that? For, for bringing this topic to, to bear. If it ever comes
1: <laughs> doctor, up, no. I'm going to, I have no intention <laughs> i going to
4: heroin at all. I, I, I brought but it the up. The doctor
2: brought us because there. Because it's a huge Dr. departure
4: from who I am. Yeah. And you guys were supposed to laugh it off, not go on a 30-minute <laughs> Detailed. Yeah, that's what the conversation? Yeah.
0: You're the most functional heroin act I've ever met. So.
2: The, the most
4: yeah. well nourished. The most well nourished. Very much.
2: Yeah. much
0: yeah. So. Crack is whack, right? Crack, crack is. Oh. The teeth. The teeth, the teeth thing. Make sure teeth, you
2: wash that's your, that's your it's hands. A, but it's, it's, the, meth, the, the, it's meth the math. It's the math with the teeth. teeth. That's yeah. the teeth. That's crazy. That's they do crazy their
1: own dentistry so. and everything. It's oh yeah. That's some bad shit. That's some bad shit. It's like that guy. What's him? The that little the tiger the tiger the tiger. Uh, tiger king tiger king, yeah, king. Tiger, tiger king, king. oh good God. <laughs> I, so, I, I think his, that's his one p-
2: husband had three teeth right yeah yeah
5: <laughs> yes.
4: yeah, yeah. Those former those, math right? those were his bad teeth. Right. Of everything the, the I've ever husband. heard about yeah. drugs I think that would be the biggest deterrent for me is if you showed me a picture of dude with no teeth yeah and they're like this could be you I don't even care like what the other drugs do to you yeah. I'm just like I don't want that one right take teeth. that one off the menu yeah. Gotcha.
0: I would agree. I yeah, would it messes agree. with your enamel. Like it Ugh. eats away at it. Yeah, it's nutty. So what? What happens to your bones? But that's if you smoke but it, though, right? Like, can't you that? just take? Can't you take like methamphetamine pills? I don't know. You can snort <laughs> it. I'm not giving you, it. It. I I I you think think the opportunity the to blame
4: me for that. not
1: no. I think taking the as a as a pill would be well. I guess because that's what
0: Elvis did. Elvis didn't have fucked up teeth, right? I'm. I'm not. I'm
4: not biting. You're not gonna blame me for the meth portion Well, I can tell you when I was
0: in Memphis.
1: When I was Memphis
0: uh, back then, and drugs
1: were—you know—they were just the '70s was an explosion
4: of
2: of
1: (laughs) drug use, and the liberals were in charge. Nixon was, you know, whistled away. The liberals were in charge, and the liberals are not in charge much uh, worldwide. (laughs) (laughs) Liberals don't get the chance to be in charge a whole whole lot. There's a reason for that. Uh, We're good. We're creative, and we're. fun and and we push boundaries that need to be pushed and open society up. But the conservatives one, keep it from going too fast and there has to be some kind of structure built inside of it, Psycho- and a foundation, and we're not good at that at all. <laughs> we're
4: we we just, need to get rid of all the lines on yeah, the roads, We just because <laughs> it inhibits keep our going. creativity. <laughs> it divides us. It's just go. These yeah. lines on the highway yeah. divide us. But oh,
1: the '70s were just the most unbelievable explosion of fun and frolic and debauchery. Yeah. But it was just fun. It was just an, uh, it, the society had just opened up for the first time, and, you know, especially among the youth. And, and you could do drugs, I mean, you and not be ostracized not? from society. Women could get a divorce and not be a mortal sin, a mortal sin, ostracized right. from society. You know, they could get a divorce and go out. Women could go out for the first time. And just pick up guys at bars just because they felt like it that night. Uh, And in my mother's generation, (laughs) if you not that women didn't do that, but you were like (laughs) you were held at a at a really low standard.
2: The '70s decade, you guys did all of it, and you did it all so bad and so good at the same time that when the '80s came down came around they shut all that shit down no
1: not really they gave y'all coke and y'all started speeding but no no up. I'm
2: talking about the drink <laughs> all of a sudden there was a drinking age you know there hadn't I think it was 18 before well that. it
1: was uh, 21 in the 60s and by an early 70s and because up until then you still didn't have a lot of places there were probably as many places where you didn't have liquor by the drink In cities as you had that you know what I mean by that where you can go to a bar right I mean a lot of the country was like even through the 60s was what we you call a dry Dry. county you know or very limited amount of alcohol you could even have as far as that goes so it was and then Vietnam War during the Vietnam War there were protests it was part of the anti-war protests and part of it was Hey man, if we can go to Vietnam mm-hmm. and get killed tomorrow for whatever, and you say we're man enough to do that to go and shoot people, then I think we should have a beer. <laughs> right, you know right? what I mean? I right. mean real. That's Y'all a mean, fair argument. A beer and yeah. a cigarette's appropriate. Right. And and. They passed that through this country in a heartbeat. That just flew through yeah. because it wasn't hard because the liquor and tobacco
3: lobbyists were
4: all right. over that right. shit.
1: They were like, "Yeah, man, we can do this." So that kind of happened, and then um, and then what ended up happening was it, it it backed off to eighteen. I think right around seven, the early seventy nine. No, uh, it was, I think it, uh, in Tennessee. It was eighteen by. I mean, when I started working bars in 1974, it mm-hmm. was in Memphis. Is eighteen. Okay. It was eighteen. Was the drinking age, and then what happened was was all the the alcohol related uh, car accident and deaths. Right, right. And that over a period of time, finally, what shut it all down. Yeah, it 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 pulled everything back again. You know, it was like I say, I do at my show. I talk about when we were. When I was when I was seventeen, the drinking age was twenty-one. When I turned eighteen, the drinking age was eighteen. Hmm. And that was because of the Vietnam War and we mm. protested and everybody said, Yeah, by God, if you can do that, you should if you can go to war, you should be able to have a drink. I said in ten short years we proved that fucking <laughs> <laughs> we proved that philosophy dead fucking
5: wrong. <laughs> so I guess I said, maybe
1: if we'd have had a platoon sergeant with us while we were drinking, we might have had a shot at success.
2: Uh, I gotta tell you, I I was in the Air Force for 10 years, uh, and I did more drinking in the military than I ever did outside of it. So um, every Friday, uh, they would have uh, a hangar party so uh-huh. instead of everybody, that do, sounds fun. Oh right off it, the it, bat, that's well, it. That was it. You, <laughs> you would go out to the hangar, and they'd have it all cleared out, and they'd have those big barrels of um, barbecue of barbecue oh. going, oh, okay. uh, nice. and the kegs were there, and you just sat around and you ate food, drank, and there were flew you know, helicopters. There were <laughs> you're playing spades, you're playing hearts, you you're playing euchre. Strafa village, uh, and there's music going on. But that was that was every Friday yeah. when I was in the military. So I'm. That's and like, where people. were you stationed? Uh, I started at uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, uh-huh. uh, and then I was over in Germany, uh, in Frankfurt, uh, Rhein-Main Air Base. Oh, yeah. That's
1: the the biggest in Europe, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: And then uh, ended up at uh, in Alamogordo, New Mexico, oh. uh, which is-
1: So, are there aliens?
2: Uh, uh, you know what? It's it's about 30 minutes from the Trinity site where know. they tested the <laughs> uh, the bomb, and there's um, White Sands Missile Range is still right, out there, right, right. and this town is so small that- Uh, you have to go through the missile range to either go to um las cruces or you'll go south to el paso texas but if you're going to las cruces you have to check the missile schedule for the week because Uh. they shut down the highway so if you're trying to get out of the town you need to get out before they do the missile testing or if you're trying to come back after a day you've been out you need to get back in before they shut it down again so uh
4: that's yeah. a different kind were, of white Were, were, were oh, people crazy. hit by missiles <laughs> like no, did I, that happen because like no, no, those no, no, rules I, just, are like, made
2: this is, top, this is top secret stuff there just like I said this is yeah. this is, they had the stealth fighters out there then yeah. uh, so you know everything was, yeah. was
4: uh, secret uh, was- and so they don't. Like, they th- don't make yeah. rules, kind of like Less's drinking age thing. They screwed that up. Somebody screwed up the missile well, test. It actually says maybe. Like, yeah. the,
0: the drinking Possibly. age thing. I,
4: I I refuse to believe otherwise. <laughs> the,
0: the, the, you don't know what
1: what she's saying <laughs> there. I don't think it's missiles that they're flying. We don't know what the fuck's <laughs> flying their,
4: their over flying there. UFOs. We don't know what it right, is. It right. could be Robotron. Well, they would have a hangar party, get a little tipsy, <laughs> yes. take out the UFO. Yeah. yeah. Well, this,
2: listen, when I was at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, they had this one building, and anytime you drove in the vicinity of it, you're um, shot you. Um, no, oh, you and everybody had the radar detectors then, oh, yeah. and the radar detector would light up like a Christmas tree. Oh. Uh And then right after the uh, the Berlin Wall came down, yeah, yeah. the next day they started to roll out Russian MIGs out of this building. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, so when people what? start talking Area 51 and stuff, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All that stuff. It's all happening. <laughs> they just they – just, uh, I, I would
4: crap myself if I saw a Russian MIG flying around in the middle of our an, country. Uh, and what about a Russian MIG with an alien flying? Uh, awesome. Not even a Russian. I don't, I don't even know who I'd call. I'd be like, hey, are the Russian planes supposed to be here right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that what you, nine one one? I saw uh, Top Gun. Look, man,
2: you don't even, believe what how I'm you even out.
4: know it was a right.
0: Russian plane, too. <laughs> I thing. actually <laughs> was
4: a big nerd I would have known you back known? then. Okay. Yeah, I studied like them, the just, just in case they needed me.
2: Vincent, well, I'm sitting here with my hair. Right. and I'm valuable not sure what I'm looking other at. Yeah. I thought you. the Air
4: Force was like a basketball team where you had to be ready to play. If the starters go down, they're going to be like, hey, VN, you're in, and I had to be ready to go. That's how I thought it worked. Worked. No, okay. not,
2: not the Air Force. That's why we, we sit all the way well, back here with the computer. Everybody else is not
4: Flight the simulator games.
0: games. Didn't the Navy That's just what for? release a bunch of UFO files or, or admit that they chased a there, UFO? There was
4: something recently. In like the recently, news. I, yes. I very think they're, they're wildly a, releasing information to take our minds off the fact that we're all going to die.
0: I mean, that that there's no <laughs> doubt about that.
4: We yeah. all, but we
1: all, but didn't didn't every you know what's amazing is somehow two months ago, people forgot. That we were all
5: gonna die.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you now we're hyper reminded of it, but trust me, two months ago, you were gonna die too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You well, were. And you didn't know
4: when you was gonna die. You yeah, yeah. had was no ending. freaking idea. They're just periodically <laughs> no letting idea. things out of Area 51 to see if any of it sticks. Like, None of us are paying attention to anything just, except for the
1: pandemic. We, we just want aliens to be our saviors.
0: Yeah, but they've been drip-feeding us. If they come us.
1: down, they've been watching for a while, and they, <laughs> they come in like little dinosaurs angels right, right, right. and they go, All right, guys all right, everybody, y'all have done a real good job up to this point, but it looks like shit's getting out of control. Yeah, gonna we've seen us. this scenario before, and it did us. not go well until we decided to intervene.
0: <laughs> Dude, if, if aliens came down tomorrow, McDonald's would still call you in for work on Monday. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing would change. I really don't think anything would change.
4: But. Well, we would be like, wow, and then we would you know, kind of do yeah. what we were doing. We'd post about but it. But they've
0: been drip-feeding us, like, even through pulp culture to try and get us comfortable with the idea of aliens. Like over and like like generation by generation. You know what I mean? We like, love E. T. My generation for we instance We love E. T. Like we they want E. T. T. to be our our leader.
4: Right. I think they e. have E. T. They have the hoverboard, you know, the flying skateboard we're supposed to have by now. It's there. They're just waiting like when we're desperate, we're about to raid the government because consp- we're all going to die. they are going to let the hoverboard out, that's and conspiracy then pulled. we'll be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, the <laughs> They'll hoverboard. give us spaceships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That we'll that all be dumb. out we'll riding. We'll finally
2: be in those Jetson mobiles yeah, that we're we would not have. Now. That yes, yeah. that would be awesome. That
1: fly? That's they, true. I heard. It, I heard they have that. I heard they have a car. They
2: do have fly. a car like that. I saw it a couple of years ago. Yeah, that will
1: fly. Can you imagine? You you go that. That's when we cannot be driving. Anymore and flying
0: cars. No, yeah. not no, only no.
1: flying cars, but jet engines, automobiles in traffic on multiple yeah. levels yeah. that, that, that can, I, we can't I, handle that. No, your house no. insurance. We doctors handle could handle
4: that. We can't handle driving in two dimensions. No. Like there's a, <laughs> no. there's a rule. And I'm passionate about this. You can't drive in the left hand lane unless you're passing. That's right. Yes. I can't drive a mile without seeing somebody in that lane. If of you give they that in. person if they they just sit there. a flying car, yeah. we're doomed. Of course. Of the, course. The species yeah, will but go extinct. If we
2: could, like, wean out those people, they have to stay in the regular car, and we have the flying car. And when they aggravate we us, we just, just kind of, like, go up, on go up them. boop, yeah. over, we down. So we won't be <laughs> driving.
4: We won't be driving. We should give
1: them coronavirus. Oh, right. We <laughs> won't be driving. I mean, that's the thing. I That's right. We could empty our toilets. Driving our car is the number one cause of death. After disease, the so number one cause of death is driving cars in the world, and so you go, you go when as as soon as we stop the driving of cars, right there, the population is going to go crazy.
0: Yeah, well, they're also they're worried about um just with automation, they're like it's not the the uh, the organ d- donating. They, we won't the, have enough organs. We won't have enough don't organs. Have, don't yeah. have we'll have we'll just have, organs. To we'll have to kill Why people. Why won't we have we enough organs? We gotta find something because just, just as dangerous we give the majority today of organs from. Once we from get through
1: the cars, so you think you think you think our kids, I mean my grandchild, my grandchild, he'll be sitting around forty years old talking to his friends. You know they're just having a few beers and he go, you know back in my granddad's day, <laughs> they used to let people drive. <laughs> they're going, what are you talking about? It's kind of like an They an used robot. to let them. Right. Operated. Control where a 8,000-pound pieces deal <laughs> went 80 to 100 miles an hour. No fuck away. No, they did. And it killed the most people every year except disease. Right. Of anything else they did, and they continued to do it uh, what, for they, decades. They would make the cars they didn't faster. didn't
4: care. <laughs> like cars have gotten faster and more powerful. Yes. Yeah. Right. So here's here's the deal with pandemics. OK. I know. I'm glad you're heading here. I'm going I'm going here. It's a dark place. I hope. No, you're okay no. But that. I, are you going to compare it to Cardass?
5: Well, yeah,
1: sort of. Yeah.
4: But okay. here, here's the thinking. like the randomness of the plagues, I yeah. think, is what we have a problem with. I think we're all secretly OK with plagues because mm-hmm. we know that the, the herd needs to be thin periodically. OK. But if there was a way to direct it like the really annoying people would get it and not everybody else. Yeah, you know, part of us would root for it, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. There,
1: there,
5: there, there, there was a lot there, of let's that. Let's put it
1: talk. this way there's no doubt, and this is a horrible thing to say, but, it, but we can take it, we say it, we're just comedians <laughs> trying to be funny. But, <laughs> but no doubt, there are people in this world who are sitting around right now going, I hope the fuck Frank gets yeah. that fucking power. Oh, that yeah. I, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't want you it to know be personal. That dude owes me hundred <laughs> bucks. It's yeah. not
4: beyond the thought of what could be happening. <laughs> no. I just like—I feel strongly about the left lane driver thing. I just yeah. want it somehow. All right, now look at this. look at this. Just, look just look affect this. that person. Look at Those this. people. Those? Yeah. If
1: if we just compared it this way, driving cars is a choice not a necessity well maybe it is a necessity now i would say here now it is, it is. now it is a necessity okay but how cars. we drive co- cars well, no,
2: there is no public how transportation. we drive
1: cars is a choice okay how we drive cars like very easily we could put a speed limit on cars that is strictly in other words your car will not go faster than 45 miles an hour that's fucking it won't go faster You limit deaths by a tremendous amount. It just takes everybody, you know, twice as long to get somewhere. But you can still get somewhere in a pretty efficient amount of time, especially around town at 45 miles an hour. And you would bring deaths down tremendously if you did that, you know. But we don't do that. (laughs) No, 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 no. We, We go the opposite. We don't do that at all. And so, all right, so you go a pandemic. This pandemic that will most likely and we're all guessing hoping at best that in two years ish, there should be a vaccine and we're out of it. Okay, but until then, it's going to affect us. And that means people are gonna die. And that means uh, that let's just say that this pandemic is 10 times worse than a worse flu. So that means in the United States, we're gonna maybe lose a half a million people a year to this thing as long as you go how many people die a year in their car you know what I mean but we don't I mean we don't even think about stopping driving a car doing things like this so I you know I'm not trying to truly compare the two but it is a little school of thought there of things that we choose to do that create a lot of death yeah. You know, and something that hits you, you know, and, and as I said, I'll clarify and end it with this. My cousin, who's a doctor, and we talk back and forth, we're great friends, and and he goes, and he's like, you know, did we overreact? I don't know, maybe, who knows, who knows? But he goes, here's the deal is, it's, we're dealing with an unknown. That's the big thing, we're dealing with an unknown. And anytime you're dealing with an unknown, err towards <laughs> a little more safer mm-hmm. than the yeah. other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, as far as that goes, so maybe in all of what I'm just saying is that hey, with cars, we know there's a certain amount of carnage, we accept it. We go, we just accept it. We just go. That's just we would rather have that in our life, and know that there's going to be this many people that you know die from it or or are crippled from it. Yeah, you know, not even die. I mean, I think it's 150. It's 3,000. I looked at it. it was, it's it's a little over 3300 people a day worldwide die in a car accident. Now that's not wow. counting crippled. Hmm. You All know right. what I mean, disfigured. Yeah. uh changed for the rest of their life.
0: Are you probably uh, double that number. You ready to call Danny Bevins?
1: Yes. All right. I'm, I'm having so much fun with this the three of us it's like fuck <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Screw Danny. I'm gonna tell him that. Uh, let and put him.
0: those headphones on so you can hear. Oh okay. Him. little
1: loud yeah no i don't know i kind of enjoyed that a little bit yeah i wake you up you did hello dame evans
0: hello can you hear us
3: i can hear you now
0: all right can you hear me
3: i'm hearing you yeah
0: you can hear less all right the
1: most important thing is that you hear me (laughs) you understand that
3: yeah i got that i got that part well
1: now i'm not hearing him as well you can hear me you're not hearing me i'm hearing that that's a little better how about you guys uh here with us danny we have ginger and vn and both local comedians ginger was a car salesman from from jersey so she's part of the mob we know that she's connected and vn's an ear eye nose and throat doctor that at least that's how he says he makes his money.
3: <laughs> well, there are at least people with jobs then, right?
1: Yeah. There's people here that can make a living without having yeah. to be a, just a smart ass.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, it turns out that that's, um, that was more important than I thought it was. But uh, Yeah, me uh, too. I don't know. I, didn't, I don't know how this thing is going to change uh, – how we do it
1: well i could tell you what I, uh, I i have a you know and i know there's a difference you kind of you kind of came up the hard knocks way and i went through and got a degree in theater from some prestigious people <laughs> and nobody mentioned a fucking pandemic not, not <laughs> nobody mentioned any performance arts preparation for a pandemic not one fucking time so there's no breathing
3: exercise that we can nope. do that'll <laughs> No,
1: nope, there's no stretch for it. There's no breathing yeah. exercise. There's absolutely yeah, you you, know, you can't you can't even do a life regression and get out of this shit.
3: It is it, the pandemic is completely opposite of improv because uh, <laughs> you find yourself you find yourself constantly saying no and I fucking mean
1: no. <laughs> no and. No and.
3: <laughs>
1: no. No. Well, I, you know, so your original, you know, here's, I mean, my thought is this, Danny. And, I, you know, we've been open for a few days. I've been out, I've been out on the streets like a, like a crippled reporter. And, I mean, what, but just, I, I'm interested in watching human behavior right now, you know once they open some business. Just how are people gonna be out there with with all the knowledge that is out there from with uh, knowledge and bullshit. With all the knowledge and bullshit, see and what I what I basically noticed is is that the crowd that's out there right now and it's not massive, but there's they go, they don't they're not socially <laughs> protecting shit right. for the most part. They're not wearing masks. They're, not, they're just like, you know. And I, and I got to look at each and every person, and I've seen it at all age groups, and, and I, and I got to look at each and every one of you and go, well, your mindset is I'll get sick from this, but it won't kill me. That's your mindset. And that is going to be our economy as we come back are those people that have that mindset it won't kill me now how much of that how much of that is our business I don't know I mean in Sarasota Sarasota Bradenton I would say the over 60 crowd is over half my crowd you know now if you're in Minneapolis or Cleveland you know or Detroit or somewhere that might not be hold true it might only be 15% 15% of your business or whatever. But, you know, that's where it's just, But I'll tell you what, once there's a vaccine, we just got to get on the backside of this vaccine. Once there's a vaccine, people want to get back out. I yeah. see people all the time. They can't wait to get back in the comedy club. They can't wait to go to the places that they care about, you know. So I, I think the performance arts are fine. We just got to, like everybody else, get through this period right now between now and a vaccine and keep your head above water which means you're going to need to start stocking shelves at Publix like Al Ernst
3: (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know I I I don't know I talked to people in um in LA and uh right now the idea is that um they're waiting to be told that this shooting next season will not occur Right. Um, and that's the, part that, that's the part that gets me. Now, now, think about it. You're on a sitcom. You're shooting a sitcom. There is, there is a possibility of social distancing and, and doing all that. Sure. But as an agent, do you let the person that you make, you know, a million dollars a year off take a chance? until until there's a vaccine i mean i don't
1: know all i know is i coughed during the COVID uh, (laughs) (laughs) emergency while you were saying that you know i mean you know danny I, i i get all of that that's the reason i've always thought that the whole mindset of somehow getting back to a normal economy in any kind of quick pace was so foolish it was just so foolish to have that even in your head you go Hey, everybody, guess what? Except for you people that have a disposable income of over $2 million to where you can still invest in the stock market, you know, and reap some of the benefits of this situation. And trust me, that's the only people that are doing any investing right now. (laughs) You know, unless you're that, you know, or maybe taking advantage of a couple of niches in the market Place because of the the pandemic everybody else is on hold we're on hold yes what everybody every industry needs to have the same that are art especially the the arts all the arts is like tread water keep your head above water until until there's a vaccine figure out how to do that you know and it, it it and it got, like you're you're talking about from the top down. You're talking about you know from the you know the top movie uh, film producers in the world. I was just talking to a buddy of mine who's uh, John McEwen, who's uh, one of the founding members of the Nitty Gritty Dart Band. He's like yeah. He's like, hey man, you see the stuff with Live Nation? He goes the, he goes for a while. The days of of uh, megastars being able to command. You know quarter of a million dollar guarantees you know with all these caveats and this that and the other and even more than that he goes them days are over man people are going to be doing door deals from top to bottom you know and, and adjusting ticket prices and i mean so it's it's going to change in that way uh, no doubt about it and the experience isn't going to be the same until there's a vaccine because we're going to have to sit people apart i mean here's the deal danny you come in here the next time you come in here because you live close you might be here before you know you think you should be <laughs> does that sound all right yeah. <laughs> did you just get booked like <laughs> kind of sorta of. i just told him to get that ready is. your own deck man uh you know but that's but,
3: that interesting but, that had an interesting tinge of authority behind it. I, I really kind <laughs> oh, of... Oh, thanks. Lived, ah, I yeah, usually don't have that.
1: Happened. You know, Pam has asked me to be that way more on certain <laughs> nights. And sometimes I have trouble pulling it off without giggling a little bit. <laughs> but thank you. That's thank you. I, you. I feel I feel better about myself. Okay.
3: Yeah. That's what I figured it would be, though. It would be Pam calling me up and going, listen, I don't give a shit. You get your ass. You know, and be like, yes. Down That's here, do we'll figure know. out what to
1: pay you once you get here. <laughs> well, the yeah, thing is, exactly. but the thing is, you think, you know, you walk in, you walk in, the, we walk in front of an audience here when they first allow us to be open. We figured 40% is the number that we need to get you know, to be, get close to that 100 people in the room. You know, I like to be buck, buck 25. Now, you know, that's still people spread out a lot, a yeah. lot, you know. But, and you think about how, how we are, how you as an, inter, I mean, are you going to address it to the audience when you walk out there? Are you just going to go and just that's what it is? I mean, I, I think I'm going to address it.
3: I think you have to. I think in the beginning you have to. I think the thing is is that it's like a lot of things where it's the it's that big heavy cloud in the room where you have to acknowledge it, you have to you have to cut it a little bit and then you have to get away from it. Because yeah. we're you know, everybody's living with this heaviness. You know, there's people the heaviness is how am I going to make it? The heaviness is, is this going to hurt somebody that I know? The heaviness, we're all living with this heaviness. That's going to be in the room. And if you go up there and just try to do an act without acknowledging it, you know, people are going to be, whether they, whether it's conscious or not somewhere in their head, they're going to be, is he acting like this is not happening, you know? Right. Um. So I think you have to, but the people that dwell on it are probably going to be the younger comics that, because they think, well, I've been writing all these jokes about it. Well, you know what? Right. People, you know, I, I did comedy in October after nine yeah, 11. me um, too. yeah, we all did. Right. And yep. we went up and oh, you, yeah. and you had to, you had to, to hit it straight on and you, and then you had to maneuver around it. And, and, and that was, that was the only way to deal with it. Although, and, although
1: I, I will say this, Danny, when the, uh, we opened up our new club at the time, uh, you know, when we risked everything in our life two weeks after 9/11, and uh, and you know I thought we were dead in the water, and but people came out in droves, you know they needed it, they needed right. it, but yeah. at that, with yeah. that particular one for me, in the the first two or three weeks after the after 9/11, and the week of 9/11 because 9/11 happened on a Tuesday, correct? Right. Right, So here we were as comics getting ready, and comedy club owners getting ready to open either Wednesday or Thursday or Friday at the latest. You know, two or three days later, you're going to have a comedy show going on. And uh, we knew that people coming to a comedy club were getting there. We were coming there to get away from it, right. You know what I mean? So that, Danny, that was the first time in my history that I ever censored comedians. And the first three weeks, I said, "Hey, man, do me a favor, let's don't talk about 9-11. They're inundated with it, you know? And right. let's, just, let's just use this as a respite. And then the fourth week, uh, uh, um, David Brenner came in, and of course you never tell a celebrity what they can do and what they can't do. And uh, he was great right. and he dealt with it. And th- then it just was what it was. But, you know, I, I think you're right in this situation. I mean, people, people are, everybody that comes up to me is going, man. I bet you're getting some killer material out of this. Uh, I said, I wish I could yeah. say that was true, but uh, yeah. But I think you're right. Well, they, I think I think these crowds are wanting to laugh at this. I really do. I I think they're looking forward to it. You know. So what do you yeah, got? I some good the, shit.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'm working on some stuff, but I, I think I, I, I agree with you. I think that that's you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to touch on it, but. I love it when they say that. I bet you're going to get you I mean it's you're going to get a bunch of material. They say that about everything. I, I mean you know you're, you're 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 in line and they they point to the magazine, "Yeah, I bet you are getting a lot of material." <laughs> <laughs> I need you out of the way. The material <laughs> I'm getting is you. You are the material. <laughs> <laughs> you're the exactly.
1: Yeah. Oh good lord. We're like, and yeah, no, read shit about covid yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Guy God. who's wearing his mask as a chin strap. You know what? Listen, face that way. You know, <laughs> uh, that's my favorite, by the way. Oh. my favorite is the drooping face mask. That's my. You know what? Uh, like, I, I'm trying. No, not really. No, no, no you're not. You're not trying. But. The
1: half-ass face mask. <laughs> but I'll go with that. You know, just kind of, it's sort like of. Plumber's just,
4: crack on your face. Yeah, that's right,
1: man. Yeah, that's right. Not going to kiss you.
3: you. You know, the only place I go is to the bank, because <laughs> I've always wanted to wear a mask in a bank. That's ah. the only place I go.
1: You know what's just as fun? Convenience stores. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. even a yeah. little more so, because yeah. they're really not sure.
3: <laughs> you know Exactly. And they get really nervous if you've got a big raincoat on, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you walk into a convenience store nowadays with a mask on and you just take something trite like a Slim Jim, just right in front of them, just take a Slim Jim, put it in your pocket and walk out. Nobody's saying nothing you. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, nobody's saying nothing to you. You know what I mean? I was thinking about where somebody was mentioning when, this, when they first started the stay home thing. It's like, hey, man, you know, I think it was some of our staff members here, Mike, we're like, we're worried about at night, you know, going over and hanging out with our friend and driving home and, you know, getting pulled over for being out. And I'm like, well, first, let's go first and foremost, what cop wants to pull over a stranger? (laughs)
5: during the (laughs) pandemic
1: and have any have any engagement with you whatsoever unless you're fucking shooting a gun down the middle of the street i mean exactly i mean what the fuck if you want to speed now's the time to do it and they pull you over (laughs) your
2: cough and it's all good
1: right if you if you're one of those people that have a maserati in sarasota and there's a lot of them Maseratis, Ferraris, you see them, Lamborghinis. Going 20 miles an 20 hour. 20 miles an hour every time <laughs> they go and get my first gear. Are
4: the cops out there wearing masks? What's that? Yeah. Are the cops wearing masks?
0: I see, I see cops with masks, yeah. No. I'll bet you do, Mike. Ah. I mean, you yeah, know. Really
3: <laughs> you ever seen him. a cop with a mask on, Danny? No. Oh, well, yeah, but, but only in Iraq. Oh. That's, ah. Over there. You know, over there was kind of that was that was part of the uniform, but yeah, I mean, no, I don't. They they never seem to need a mask, right? Like, no,
1: no, no, no. A cop wearing a mask kind of goes against everything we stand for, <laughs> I would say, exactly. <laughs> in America. Yeah, just an anonymous yeah. cop. <laughs> <laughs> stormtroopers. Yes, yeah, yeah. stormtroopers. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, you know, we were talking earlier as we were going around, and Ginger was a car dealer for years, sold cars. And we got talking about our, if, you know, your, your beater car memory, you know, that was like your, maybe your first car or your, you know, the one that, you know, and, uh, do you have one of those? I do. I had a, um, well, the
3: first car I, I've, I ever bought was a 1963 Impala. <laughs> and, um, what year did you buy California. it? I bought it was uh twelve hundred dollars at the time it was a lot of money um, and uh, that's how I much the government would give me. you to
1: get groceries but yeah uh, exactly exactly yeah. no what I mean what it was a sixty three but what year did you buy it in seventy three
3: no no it
2: would have been 82 80, 82
1: one <laughs> oh, yeah that
2: fuck yeah. <laughs> that's a you <beater>. so, <laughs> make twelve hundred dollars yeah. for
1: it. that's good Okay, that's a good start to the well, story. I, Continue. No.
2: <laughs>
3: well, I lived in
2: California,
3: right? So, and it was, uh, and and as everybody knows, it is. Uh, I lived in San Jose, California, and uh, there's a heavy Latino population. Right. And I had a '63 Impala, and I had it lifted in the back, <laughs> with big tires, as a muscle car, oh. and it was it was like I was driving around. Um, it was the most depressing sight for huh. a Latino. <laughs> that it, was, it reinforced everything that they thought about the gringos. Uh. That, they would ruin, <laughs> that they would ruin a sled like that. And then, um, and then I got into some trouble with the law, and my father sold it. So. Uh, problem,
1: so. Now, how old yeah. were you when you got that car? 16. Oh, that was your first, 16. that was your first, 16. Yeah, uh, yeah. But at least you had kind of, you, were when, you had kind of a cool car.
3: Oh, it was a very cool car. It yeah. was much too cool for me. And well, it was a little obviously. bit, yeah. Yeah, see, none yeah, of us had, was, a, cool was, yeah, had a cool car. we didn't have a cool car. Ginger had a
1: Vega, a Vega. <laughs> I love that. My first car, my first car, I didn't even tell you all this earlier, my first car, my, my, uh Dad had gotten a second car for my mother, a used car, just, you know, to get to the grocery store and shit, right? So this would have been in the... This would have been probably mid-60s. And it was a 1958 Buick Star Chief.
4: Oh, my
1: God. This motherfucker must have weighed... (laughs) Was two a tons. It was, a it was huge. It was humongous. You could have a dance party in the back, <laughs> and it was it was that massive old Buick, and uh, and so, you know, I was probably ten years old, eight, nine or ten years old. We got it. So they had divorced, and da 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 da, and this car had quit running for three years, and it was like a, you know, like what you'd see in Tennessee. The car in the backyard, no. the grass growing, growing right. halfway uh. up the fucking, you know, side of the door. Right. You know, it's, now it's a planter. It's not a car anymore. And it's just nobody's gotten rid of it. It's just sitting back there. So I turned 16, and me and my buddy Ken's sons and another buddy, John, were over the house. And John knew a little bit about tinkering with cars. And I called my dad, and I said, if I can get that car back there running, can I have it? He goes, hell yeah. Can have it and so we got back there he never thought in a million years we get that <laughs> son of a bitch running and we had that thing running <laughs> in six hours had no reverse in it no, <laughs> no reverse, <laughs> reverse. zippity draw in reverse you got a plan where you're gotta pulling in too. you got a plan pulling in huh. really do or somebody just jumps out and you put it in neutral and right, just push, push it back. It out. yeah and uh yeah the star chief
2: yeah, like, with, that, right. with that vega that i had i mean on top of the oil issues up along the um, the front uh, window you know where the seal is well I didn't seal good so when it would rain it would drip down so as you were driving you're getting hit with the the rain water and whatever and the windshield wipers didn't work so we had a string that came through and you no you'd pull the string <laughs> to make it to go up right but the if if it was parked overnight and it was raining when I would come in the car in the morning there would be a big big puddle of water so You'd be driving with that, and as you turned, it would swoosh from the driver's side of the passenger. You'd have to like lift your legs as the water <laughs> went up underneath it, till finally it was so bad we had to pull out the carpet from inside because it was smelling so bad, uh, and the water kept going that then on the passenger side, it started to rust through. So if you were sitting in the passenger side, you had to sit with your legs across and you could look down and see the road nice. going up underneath. Uh. So yeah, now this the, was the beater of the Star Chief, cars, the but the Star it was The Star Chief mine.
1: was kind of like that. The Star Chief, the windshield wipers would work, but only when you were accelerating. <laughs> ah. So you had, to, in a rainstorm, you would have to pull off the gas and accelerate and pull off the gas and accelerate <laughs> to keep the windshield wipers working. And in the passenger side, there was a hose that went right underneath where the the uh, glove compartment and everything is, and it's a heater hose. goes through. It's part of the, the hot water system that comes out of the radiator. A pinhole got in it. Oh. So whenever I would accelerate on the gas, that hot water would just shoot out in a burst. Ah. It would just, a very thin stream would just <laughs> Uh, right and if your foot was there it'd be like a bee sting (laughs) and so and so you know you if anybody was riding the passengers yeah he said hey man you need to put your like you said you need to put your feet over there you know and on a winter day on a winter day uh, in Tennessee we had just gotten through a wrestling practice and me and Steve Ryan and uh, um, Mark Rector We're driving down the main drag in East Tennessee, and that little heater hose burst. (laughs) And all the hot water in the whole system emptied out into the front passenger Ah. side of the car on a winter day. So when we rolled the windows down, the steam, steam coming <laughs> out of the car—it looked like the car had exploded. It looked like a major fire. it looked like a, major <laughs> and looked like a and Cheech and we, Chong movie as are, it was yes, blowing out. And we were hanging out of the car, laughing our fucking ass off. That was the end. That was the end of the star chief. Uh, that's funny. Oh man. Well, Bevins, you got anything you've been up to lately?
3: Uh, and yeah, I've been um, teaching my kid, which uh, is the—he went from a private school to the worst school. I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm so bad that I've gone that extra level and I've, I've started to extort money from him. You know what I mean? Might as well. You know what I mean? Now you're in. Now you're in the bad education situation. No, it's just.
1: So there's no, there was no remedial training for you to get into this. No, right? no. <laughs> we're um, now all qualified teachers. <laughs> no, get,
3: Vin's get, a doctor, accu- so
1: he might be bad. I get accused
3: of having really, really, uh, uh, I get accused of being, I, they, they say it's smart comedy, which I think is just a way of putting me in a, like a, a little hole, like that's why you know, it's our cut, way of getting whatever. the
1: audience not to be as mad at you at times. If okay. we go he's that's, smart, yeah, well, if he's smart, then there's, we just know there's points where he's, that's our way of really saying, every once in a while, Bevan's going to piss you off a little bit, but he'll work his way out of it
5: every time. And
1: he'll make you laugh, but he's going to do it, and I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> so
1: instead of saying that, we just say he's smart. He's, he pushes the boundaries. Yeah, hope you're not a fan of the voice. <laughs> you know, you're not the only one, Danny. But uh, you know, you know how to do. We do, we got those little ways. <laughs> Tell about you guys.
3: But that's the thing that kills me, though, is that you know being accused of that because you, you then you go back. I, I have to go back to my my education is a is a high school diploma from a. a California Youth Authority. I graduated from Juvenile Hall, and that's the end of my education.
1: Correct. So who in your household is allowing you to teach anybody? No. How is your wife even okay with this?
3: Well, because he's eight. Well, he's nine now, but he's in third grade. So she figures you can
1: handle up to what, about 11?
3: I think, I think that, I, I don't know if she to see that much credit. I think she might cut me off next year. Yeah. But, but right now, I'm able to handle the math and the science, and, and, and I keep them together. She nice. won't let it me near him uh, when it comes to, like, grammar and stuff, because, you know, she, she's always the one, she's an English uh, major and, and has a master's degree. And, and so she always checks my up
2: before it goes out because right. if she didn't it was, you know it's just a serious fucking run-on sentence oh yeah <laughs> <'Cause> I was, <laughs> oh i know a huge sentence taylor right. my
1: daughter always told me she goes whenever you help me with my homework it was always wrong yeah how
2: are you doing with the the new math because now they do math differently from the way we learn are, are you struggling teaching him the new way or are you teaching him the the right way the way we all used to do it
3: well you know that's that's another great thing that i like i'm pretty good at the at basic math all the way up into i mean once you start to get to like geometry i'm, I'm gonna start to slow down a little bit and and then after that it's not there so even with this new way of doing it and i know that people have been they, they talk about it but all it is is they're trying to find ways that the, the kid's brain works, so all of our brains work uh, with we have ways of, of solving the puzzle, and that's all math is is a way to solve that puzzle and so some people when they see sixty seven times 76 have a have a way of, of, of multiplying that that isn't the the basic way that we were all taught and and it's the reason why so many people from my generation were bad at math because they were only taught one way. It, there's any number of ways to reach the right answer, uh, and your brain will, you know, works in, in different ways. So I'm able. And again, it's third grade math. So <laughs> I can figure it out. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and you are not I even into
4: fractions yet.
3: To the internet. <laughs>
4: So I I'm new to comedy. Well,
3: barely we are, but Are but you yeah. in the fractions yeah.
4: in the third grade? Well
3: remember too, it's a Yeah, he but he's in a remember he's in a private school. Oh too. that's right. He also I has, forgot.
4: I uh, forgot. He's an in an a,
3: engineering class no, and I a technology class. So. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> so when people say you're smart, it's an insult in comedy. I didn't know that. It's not an but, insult,
1: it's the way to protect you for those times when you're on stage being smart. Yeah. That piss people off a little bit.
0: Being condescending. Yeah.
1: Well, you can call it what you like. <laughs> that's a smart word. So no, no. When, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's also a big word. <laughs> when Les <laughs> says it, you're not just a crowd pleaser. <laughs> you're not just a crowd pleaser.
3: When, when Les says it, when he's introducing you, that's what that's it. Uh-huh. But when a comic says it to you like this, these are my favorites. You're like a comics comic. Oh, you know what? So <laughs> <fun. laughs> Go <fun>. Which
1: comic's <laughs> paying my mortgage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Always you loved know. it, too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that, yeah. That, always that, loved that the comic.
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: No, well, I just, I'm, I, I've always, that one's always pissed me off because I'm trying to figure out who the, of the great comics weren't. Comics, comics. Like what? Like what? Right. Are you talking about? Now, look. No one enjoyed watching, or, or maybe not just watching Mitch, but but watching great comics. Eat it more than I did. I mean, that <laughs> that, that I guess is a comics comic. You could say that moment is a comics comic moment. But you know, I mean, Dave Chappelle is a, is a comics comic. It's you know, I know what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I, I just, I just um, it always kind of twerks me. I mean, it's not the worst thing to be called, right, in this business? No,
1: I, no. It, 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 someone, you know, as a club owner, you know, and, and, and part-time comedian, um, you know, it, it, when I hear comics comic or whatever, anything that moves towards that direction, it just means that that's an act that's not just a crowd-pleaser that's not going the safe way that, you know, that we, I think that as professionals and you've been doing it for a while, when you've been in this thing for you know, maybe five years, but definitely when you've been in it for 10, you know, you start to see the common, the, the commonality of most audiences and what will just always work, you know, and you, right. can, and you can stay in those boundaries and and work and and if you're a good performer and you know how to get it and you're charming and you know how to get up there and sell yourself and have fun with that crowd you can sit there with that kind of material and you know and you're you're very seldom going to uh, uh, not pay off you know you're mostly gonna pay off but you're not you're not really you're not really trying to be creative super creative you're not trying to really push any boundaries, you're not trying stuff. I mean, you know, just just that thing of going, I know this, I wanna try this, I know it's kinda out there, I know it's borderline on the edge of what people in most comedy clubs would be sitting there going, this is not why I came here, <laughs> you know, it's, you right. know, you know that. <laughs> but you right. go, but I think I can make, I think I can, it's, I mean, you know, Danny, that's the kind of comedy it is so exciting to do, uh, I, I'll sum it up with, I love seeing a comic get away with something they should not be able to get away with. And they pulled it off. And I, I just love seeing that. But as you know, when you tr- in trying that, it doesn't work the first time and then every time. In trying that, you know, you're gonna have some failure with those kind of bits that, uh, that can even turn a portion of the audience a little off on you. You know, a little, and then you kind of oh, oh, yeah. win them back over a little bit if that's what you care to do. Or you can be a Doug Stanhope or that type of attitude, uh, uh, Bill, how Bill Hicks used to be. That's just like, no, I don't even care if I win you back or not. <laughs> I do not right, care, right. Uh, no, I'm not concerned <laughs> with that. I am concerned with you know the the what I'm trying to say and uh, and and see if I can make it humorous. So you know I think that's the comics comic kind of thing you know and yeah uh, and the thing that I teach in my class and you and I talked about this, Danny, was because you teach is that I tell them I go to me there's two kind of comics and there's two kind of people, two kind of people in this world. People take charge of their life. People that let life happen to them. Two kind of people. Two kind of comics, right? crowd-pleasers or celebrities, okay? Crowd-pleasers can work forever, okay? Work forever. They'll never be a celebrity unless they just, it's a fluke. Unless it's a fluke. But celebrity comics that are moving in that direction, they have a point of view, they have a certain way of doing things, and they never come off of that, ever in a million fucking years. They will walk up there and they will die the death of a thousand deaths. For as much time as they're going to be up there, but Stephen Wright is not going to start getting high energy, you know, because this right. crowd doesn't like his flat delivery. Nor Dave Chappelle is going to go. I got to lighten up on this crowd and you know do some you know do some uh, dick jokes for him. <laughs> and no, he ain't going to fucking do that. And and so, but. You know that and that's the reason it's harder to become a celebrity because you have to stick to something that is that that you can be branded by that brands you you know if you can't be branded then you're you know we can't be sure of what you're gonna do you know and uh, and that's tougher It's much tougher and uh, and and I think it, how you set a comic up is big to where people kind of understand where you use the term smart comedian I don't like that term either but you know where he's going to challenge you, whatever, however it is, just so the audience has a little bit of an inkling that this just isn't going to be a little happy-go-lucky, you know, fun little dick joke show, you know, and uh, kind of get that. I think it makes a difference in how they receive it, I think. Well, I agree.
3: I agree. I agree. I just, um, and I get where you're talking. Ta- as you were saying it, I realized that there is a, there are a lot of, a number of bits in my act that I have written simply because I've heard more than three or four comics do a bit in a certain way and thought, you know what, fuck that. What's the other side? And so that's, that'll lead you, you know, that'll lead you down. And when you hear three or four comics in a row, take them, you know, like you remember when, I don't know if they're still doing it, but there was um in the, in the nineties, there was a thing about beat your kids, right? People would just, uh. it was, it was unbelievable, but they would get, and they would get
1: applause breaks. It was just so <laughs> Oh, I, I, do, I do remember what you're talking about. It was basically the going through that time period of when we were first, I think, starting as a society here to learn to discipline your children without corporal punishment. And right. up until when we were kids, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in all the way through middle school, Every teacher had a paddle, a paddle, and they used it, you know what I mean? And no parent had a fucking problem with that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that's what? where it comes from, right, Danny, is, is that when you're... Yeah, yeah. That that was the attitude yeah, where wanna... you go to the audience and you go, eh, you know, sometimes they just need a good whipping, and the crowd's like, yeah,
5: hell yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: Right, right, yeah. I think you could still get a chunk of the crowd to react that way. Yeah.
3: Oh, I, anyway. I bet you could, but... But it was always, like, this intensely, like, and, and, and you knew what they meant. They yes. meant just to spank them or to slap them or whatever right. when you're trying to get the kids' attention. Okay, fine. But when you say beat your kids, right. that's not what the with, the, with the group out there that's, anyway, there was a lot of it. And my favorite thing was that Tom Simmons got so worked up about it. And he came up with one of my favorite lines which is, is 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 in it's it's immediate it's a response to a comedian saying, Beat your kids and his response was um, yeah, because the prisons are filled with all those people who were loved too much.
1: Uh, right. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. And yeah, Tom is a, a comics brilliant. comic, by the way.
5: <laughs> right.
1: Yes.
3: That's a brilliant shift on that but yes. where he got it from because Simmons was not going to be surrounded by people where that would be a problem except in a comedy club Right. And, and the only reason guys were doing it I'll tell you what I worked not too long ago I don't even know the guy's name and I wouldn't say it either way but I was it was over on this side and it was one of those one nighters Right. and I was doing it because I was trying to get um, I was trying to get that club on the east coast of Yoder's so I could take my kid to uh, go surfing, like Cocoa Beach,
1: right? Oh, so right, I was, right, right, I was right, right.
3: I was kind of taking whatever they threw at me because I didn't want to lose that week, which ended right. up being moved, and then because of the quarantine taken away from me. Right. So I had to go do these, you know, bars where you walk in and you go, okay. This right. Is be, <laughs> I know what this is exactly. <laughs> and this guy went up and he didn't, he tried every late 80s, 90s hack premise, doing it in the exact hack way. Ugh. And I had the utmost respect for this audience. I really felt like such a, a, a douche because I had judged them, you know, on how they were dressed and where they were. But I had judged them. And, uh, and he went up there and did that. And, and it was cricket. I mean cricket. And when he got to that part where he said, you know, you just gotta you gotta beat your kid one lady yelled back No, you don't And I was like <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> it's just like, do you remember Les do you remember when because I don't know I don't know how many people outside of comedians understand like how fast the country moved. Do you remember when doing pro-gay jokes if you were like if you were going up there and oh absolutely
1: uh, the early we (laughs) were just talking about i just did a um, uh a uh, interview today with the sarasota pride group here in town and we were talking about earlier the fact that in when i had a tough time getting the gay community to come to the comedy club at first because as, as i met people in that community and we mention it they go and, they, and these are people that I liked and got, and they, they like me, we got along and they go, but you know, the comics just do so much gay bashing. And I hadn't even thought about it, Danny. I mean, I just hadn't even, and then as I watched it, as I, it really, I went, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> see. See where you're coming from. I mean, we were still, back then, it was commonplace for the word fag to be used. Very commonplace. You didn't expect as a comedian That much or any of the crowd in a comedy club would be gay. I don't think. Do you? I don't think so. Not back then. I don't think. No, no, no. Not
3: unless you were Mm -mm. working. Not unless you were working a room that was basically a gay room. That's right. That's right. You
2: would run into bars that were. But there could have been gays in there that just were not open about it because a lot of them were still in the closet. Oh, of course.
1: And there could have been gay people that were out of the closet, but you didn't know who was there. I mean, that's the whole point. But what Danny was saying, I mean, to that same thing, we were talking about this the other day in the, early, in the uh, 80s, here in Sarasota, this was a stock joke that always got a laugh. Like, I could tell you, you would not ever fail with this joke in 1984, 85 in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, did you hear about the – and Longboat Key, by the way, I have to say, Longboat Key is our very wealthy area of town, out on the water, super rich area of town, very exclusive. Hey, did you hear about the blackout on Longboat Key the other night? They caught him. Right, yeah. And that was was like a standard stock one-liner that never didn't get a big laugh. And if you did that today, you might get a, yeah, like the lady saying, no, you don't, you know, kind of a thing. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, yes, I, I do remember when gay and racial humor and gender uh uh gay bashing female bashing uh and so no were- no
3: i don't mean the, i don't mean the bashing i mean doing uh uh pro-gay material and having an audience turn on you for that
1: oh oh, when, uh, oh, oh, oh pro-gay gotcha.
3: marriage with yeah. gay marriage was it was in the late 90s it became like a a, a
1: thing right
3: and it was a there was the marriage act remember the right right marriage act whatever right so i was writing bits back then and audiences would turn i mean they get mad (laughs) like they get mad they talk to you after the show you can't say that stuff you know and i remember as it would as it got as we went through the years it never felt comfortable like, I didn't give a shit. But it, it never felt like the room never felt comfortable when you were doing pro-gay material. And then one day, uh, you could do the jokes, and they would—they started applauding. It just, there was no longer, it just fucking turned. I mean, it just changed. I, it was like, I, I mean, I remember the feeling of, oh, well. It's, it's not there anymore because they weren't—they weren't even laughing anymore. They were just—they were applauding it like he said something that was important. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I'm not looking for that, you know what I mean? So, but but you know what I'm saying? Like that—that yes. that sort of moment where all of that changed. Um, I think there's there's I think there's a lot of it, and I yeah. you know and you and I I know probably have a great uh, debate or conversation about the state of comedy now and, and stuff. But I think, I, I believe that, you know, that kind of uh, sort of punching down is just, is, is bullshit. And I don't think, I don't think there's much of an audience for it anymore, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think those people come to comedy clubs as much as a certain more open-minded people do. Now I'm saying that to a guy who knows exactly who comes to a comedy club. So you yeah. might be able to put me right in my place.
1: No, I mean, and I think, I think there's a certain, there's a little bit of regional that goes with that, you know, uh, you know without a doubt, with uh, who's gonna be in that audience. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think that, that in, in good clubs, in really good comedy clubs that bring in top-notch performers, you know the, the crowd comes in nowadays for the most part they're pretty sophisticated you know yeah. to, to stand yeah. up yeah. comedy and and uh, you know and to all of that and yeah i've i've have seen it a few times here where i've i've somehow hooked up with a comedian of my generation you know and, and uh, so you know he's in it, he's in his 60s uh, and and maybe hadn't seen him in 20 years and hey why don't you come down do the club you know and bring them in let them middle or something like that just more than anything hadn't seen you in a long time hang out what the hell and their show hasn't changed you know so like you're talking about the show that they're doing basically is still that humor that that was acceptable in the 80s and 90s and they just never changed and maybe they over the years maybe they stuck to playing older crowds you know and that kind of thing but you can see how i i'll sit up there now and and see them do a bit and go oh man i know for a fact 1988 x smoked that killed that bit in this day and time you just alienated half the audience with that bit and Mm -hmm. i mean alienated half the audience they went this old guy is and that's what they look at this old relic, you know, is still doesn't get it, you know, kind of a right. Thing. And, and, and that's that. And 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 I would say that could come from people his own age who were sitting there too, going, ah oh, man, <laughs> we've grown up with the times he hadn't, as far as that goes, right? Yeah, so right, yeah, yeah there, there is a certain amount of when you just get, you know, you just get in your own little bubble and you don't that's the reason it's so important for stand-up comics people go i don't like to watch the news i don't like to watch all that bullshit and this that and the other i go well fortunately or unfortunately for what we do as comedians we have to stay up on pop culture for the most part yeah it's good for us to know what went what happened yesterday (laughs) you know and what people are chattering about and what is in the common knowledge of our civilization out there you know uh it's it's kind of important you know even though a lot of it is trite bullshit, you know for the most part yeah
3: not only that you should know what's in the room you know oh god yeah i i i I, ventilators do anything but i need to i need to see the room because uh because i've had that moment where you're in an art you know you're you're doing a back and forth with a guy and you can't see it and then you're like you say something like, well, and fucking stand up and it turns out it's are in a wheelchair and everybody else can see it. Right, I mean? right. And uh, that that's the end of that show, you know, uh. as far as it can go. I mean, that that's just you know, those moments you have to know where where that where that audience is. You know what I mean? You've Absolutely. got to see who you're dealing with, you know. I mean part of it part of what we do is judgment, right? Like yes. it's fucking serious judgment. And I think the one thing I would say to comics is that, you know, just like, just like with anybody, uh, with an audience, you got to give them give them more credit than you want to. Yes. Because most of the time, they're smarter than you think they are. You well, know you I mean? should like, always. what?
1: Yes, I'll, always. You ever do? Go ahead.
3: You ever do this? You ever watch the guy in front of you and you hate his act? Yeah. and they're laughing so you get mad at them? Uh, nah, <laughs> but, no. But then you go up and they they like you too. And now yes. you're like, in your head, you're going, well, what the fuck? Make a choice. You know what I mean? Like, no. pick a side, right? <laughs> but that's not, that's not how anybody should be, but that's, of course, how I am. Right? Yeah, <laughs> well, okay.
1: you've got issues. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that yeah, a sophisticated comedy crowd, the thing is, people come in from a couple club owners point of view is just this people come to a comedy club to laugh that's that they didn't come here to be enlightened they didn't come here to learn that that wasn't their intent you know they they didn't come here to be inspired they didn't now that doesn't mean that they might not get all of that they might not get every bit of that within a particular comedy show or an evening uh within moments of it but to me my job my job is to make sure that they laugh that's why they came here you know and that's what that that's the desired result while they're sitting in that room is to laugh and the desired result that i have as a comedy club owner is that i hope every human being that walks in that front door feels better when they walk out the side door than they did when they walked in the front door that's what i hope you know and i think if we always keep that in the forefront of our mind that that that's the most important thing and then if we can do that in a way that is super creative and pushes some boundaries and opens some minds and inspires some people to think in a different way or and uh uh you know opens people up all those you know encourages and 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 enlightens and educates if any of that can happen, well, great. But I'm going to tell you what, if I do something on stage and it is educational and enlightening, and that's the way you felt, and it made you laugh, when you when you leave here, before you let that be part of your education and enlightenment, double-check my facts.
5: <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm going
1: to tell you.
5: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i ain't the guy
1: (laughs) that you should be going
4: to they're going to use that on a facebook argument
2: (laughs) that's for sure i I had somebody fact check me uh once i had a, a bit about love bugs and i you know, just named a university that they were created in, and
1: was it University for, of Florida? Uh,
2: yeah, I think I said that, but then they, they said it was something else or they're, whatever. They're, but they're, they're the thing all is, set for gators for days, they they ripped me apart on Facebook until yeah. finally I was like, I didn't know our jokes needed to be factual. It was a joke. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I, that's
1: Facebook. That I
0: think Danny has to take off. He just texted me. Oh, did he yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're we're ready to wrap. Are you okay. still on, Danny?
3: I, I'm still on. I just wanted to tell you that while you were saying that I was thinking that you well you built that place. You know, there's a there's a few people in the country that have built places and they've they have for lack of a better word trained an audience and you have you have done that. And anybody that leaves your club and isn't satisfied is probably, you know, not gonna be satisfied with anything. Yeah. So, um,
1: I would agree. You know, I, I would mean, agree.
3: They in most cases they're, they're, Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I truly believe that. And that, you know, it's, um, I tell people about it, like one of the best rooms on in in the, in the state of Florida is your room. And, and Sarasota is a smaller market than, you know, those, but I'll tell you what, I, I'd rather do your room than Miami ever. I yeah. mean, well, ever- I don't know if that's a compliment, but thanks a lot. <laughs> well, it's kind of a backhanded would, compliment.
1: <laughs> Why couldn't no, you no, say no, Orlando? No, then, well, what happened? Well, What could Orlando be? Would, Had to be Miami. Orlando's the same
3: way. <laughs> Orlando's the same way. You know, there's, I mean, I, I, there's, there's not many rooms in this no, state that I think, I think you're on par with the room in, in West Hall yeah i think that room that's can, a great compliment
1: can, yeah that improv yeah. in west palm is one that's of the best it. of the improv chain it's one of the best clubs in the yeah, country exactly yeah exactly. renee hart and runs they, a top-notch place over there she sure does man
3: well and, thanks and and, and 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 listen rich people can be just as big a pain of ass as as as, as you know uh supposedly poor ignorant people well, of or whatever course. you want to say <laughs> of course but but when they're trained correctly like in minneapolis at acme you know, uh, yes. I would say in Cincinnati, uh, Go Bananas, you know, the, the rooms that do it right, um, it's because there are people there that, the people that run it are, are, are trying to run it the right way. Right, and they, well you care about they, the art and form
1: and you want everything exactly. to be, be just right for, and, and that's the whole key. You want everybody leaving feeling a little bit better than they did when they came in. And, and that's why we're all successful because most of our audience does feel that way you know when they when they walk out of the comedy club and and they don't and they don't have to know who's on stage they don't even they, they look at who's there this week and they go i don't recognize a single name of who's going to be on that stage but i know it doesn't matter when it's a really good comedy room it's always going to be a top it's always going to be a good show uh, you some better than others but you're going to feel better you're going to feel better when you leave you know and and that's the reason we're going to be fine coming out of this it's just a matter of you know how long it's going to take yeah so be on deck man will. <laughs> will. nice uh, talking to you brother thanks you danny have a great ginger Thank vn thanks so much for coming down and uh chatting with us that was great i mean uh, you know i had fun i had fun too that's y'all were, y'all were wonderful we'll have, we'll look forward if you want to do this again love to have you back you know, absolutely. Sit in a hot seat. So uh, we are, uh, I just saw my wife Pam walked in. I didn't know she was coming down, but she said she might. So we're going to take a walk, stroll down Main Street and see what the action is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We're, we're going to take a people risk. People. We're going to do it. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> and well, you uh, got
0: your mask and gloves and shit. And yeah, well, that's right. People there's, people there's, there's people like sitting outside at the
1: restaurant. Oh, no. We, I was feet. down Tuesday night down at yeah. Patrick's and had a nice, went over to Rafferty's the night before. Had a nice cheeseburger. Yeah piece of meat loaf and hung out and salsa i just had to stop people from hugging me nah. at least a dozen <laughs> and they the weren't young people they were older the hardest people
2: thing is is not being able to hug or they shake come someone's right up hand. and i'm like oh my
4: use the skills from the bus that's remember? right
1: that's exactly right <laughs> that's thank you so much for remembering that a call back from VN to the Greyhound bus. We've come full circle.
4: It was an st- early story, yes, too. Yes, it, it was, was an early a, story. I'm proud I, of I, you. I want you to label me a smart comedian. <laughs> you're a smart comedian. Yeah. That way you'll tell the, the dumb You're going to piss somebody off. The dumb, <laughs> right. the Somewhere dumb down people the line. stay he's away. He's, he's real some. smart. I keep waiting
0: for VN to piss somebody off. You're so off. smart for a heroin doctor. Like it's <laughs> crazy. That's I, crazy. I do Lays that it, to
4: make you. me more approachable. I've got two audiences, smart people and heroin. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the heroin
1: conversation episode <laughs> thanks a lot everybody take care